Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're hitting the middle of the positional reviews right now. We got a good one for you today. Offensive tackle position from 2021. Kind of a nightmare. And here to talk about it with me is James Ogden. James, how are you doing? No bad. Thanks, Ken. How are you? Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. And and, uh, this is a good topic. We've had some good offensive line discussions in the past. And you're the perfect guy to come on for offensive tackle, frankly, for any offensive line position. But uh, we're we're happy to have you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about where folks can find your work or talk to you on social media. Yeah, I'm at NFL Ogden on Twitter, and you can find me uh, writing stuff on my site, which is redstarbaltimore.com, and I also write for Russell Street Report every now and then, and you can hear me on lots of, lots of podcasts and things. I'm a regular on the UK Ravens podcast, which gives you a Baltimore Ravens view from across the pond. All right. Uh, amazing how much of our of our uh, writing about football and whatnot comes from the UK now. It's definitely been a, a great hotspot for the for the fan base to grow. And it's been one of my bugaboos is the Ravens have not really tried to grow internationally. I don't know if we talked about this after the Green Bay game or not, but yeah, they really have have in my mind shorted themselves on what they could achieve in places like Europe. Now they don't want to be a, a team that plays there, <laughs> but but they do want to be a team that attracts fans in places other than a small triangular reason, region that they're forced into by the presence of the Redskins and the Eagles. Yeah, I think they they do it. They do a good job with with us, but yeah, they could they could certainly do a lot more. I would I would agree with that. All right, let's talk offensive tackle here for the Ravens. And obviously, this was the position of several that brought the Ravens down in 2021. It changed what they had to do offensively to have a lot of weakness at tackle. Uh, they had guys who tried hard, and they had guys who didn't do too well, and a lot of those were the same guys. And let's uh, let's start with Ronnie Stanley, who obviously signed the big contract, got hurt just a few days after he signed it, um, and was the Ravens were hopeful that he would return after a midseason injury last year against Pittsburgh, I believe. 
uh, to play to start the 2021 season, but didn't work out that way. No, it didn't, did it? And he, you know, he he played in that first game against Las Vegas, and I, I've been back and, and watched that um, just to watch him recently. And he, I, he j- just straight out of the gate, if you go back and watch the very first play, I sort of defy you to tell me that's the real Ronnie Stanley. He right. he just gets put on his backside by um, by Max Crosby straight out of the gate. <laughs> and uh, I just noticed some things in the game that I just showed that it wasn't, that it just wasn't him. It wasn't the real, the real Ronnie Stanley, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it was such a bad game. It doesn't need a lot of review in my mind, eight and a half pressures allowed two quarterback hits. Now we didn't realize at that time, how potent a duo that Max Crosby and, uh, in a Gakwe would be. Uh, and they certainly were. And they, they, they rushed for a lot of the days, which means those tackles were on an Island. Uh, and they had a lot of trouble on both sides, but uh, Stanley gave a lot of, a lot of walk back pressure in that game, but he also got beaten to the outside in ways that are uncharacteristic. Yeah, I think for me, so the the things I noticed on, on film, and like you say, we don't need to go into it too much. It was a bad game, but and I, I completely agree around, about Max Crosby as well. We kind of know now that, um, and Ngokwe, but we kind of know now what Crosby is um, from before, before that game. And I think there's, there were a couple of things. The first thing is just the bend. There was no, you, you can go back and, and I, I took a few screenshots where this, there's a still, plenty of stills where he's just stood straight up. And there's no, um, there's no flexion in his ankle at all. There's just his, you know, his, his shin is dead straight up from his foot. Um, and I just felt that, you know, he still had his, you know, he still had his hand placement, his timing, all of the, his leverage, uh, his, not his leverage, his hand placement, his timing, which, um, which has made Stanley so good in the league. He still had that, but I just felt there was just very little bend. Um, and he, he looked uncomfortable when he was setting. I went back and watched a few games from previous years just to see what he does when he settles down into his stance. And when he's, when he's settling into his stance in the Vegas game, he, it looks like he's, it looks like he's almost trying to like push himself down in his stance. Um, he just looks very uncomfortable. And so I'm, I'm, I, I am, I don't, you can't tell too much, but I am, and I, maybe it's just my optimistic hoping, hoping dearly that he is, he is going to be okay. Um, but it just looked like it was injury related, and and hopefully that can that can right itself. Right. It's, it's you know we got to be careful when we say things like that because it, it, the easy answer is a transitional injury answer where the thing is fixable and whatnot. And and similar like when you have penalties that are correctable, you like that kind of a transitional answer that you know you can fix it. Um, there's nothing we as Ravens fans can do to fix what Rodney Stanley's situation may be with his ankle. And um, if the nerve damage is severe, you know it's something that that could be a more severe injury than we would even care to think. So I think that the Ravens uh, reasonably need to be very cautious about how they they plan for Ronnie Stanley to have a future on the offensive line. And I think it's one of the things we're going to look at in the draft is I think they they need to take a left tackle with a high pick, not a swing tackle, not a guard tackle. They need to take a guy who can play left tackle uh, high in this draft. Um, and we'll get into um, to Pat McCarry in a bit, but Pat McCarry is their swing tackle now. Pat like that, you know, he's he's the guy. So I I, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they do need to look for a left tackle, and you know, if if it ends up that their book ends and Ronnie Stanley's Ronnie Stanley's fine, then then great, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but I agree with you. I think I think they have to. And I, I just I, I I we had a doctor, um, an orthopedic surgeon on the uh, UK Ravens podcast uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago, and I think he's coming back on in a couple of weeks. And he talked a lot about the about the injury itself, and it, it just it does seem, as you said, that if the nerve damage is bad, then 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 this could be a be a troublesome injury going forward. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it isn't. And like you say, I, I think, uh, like I say, I think having watched enough film now, I think I feel reasonably confident that the issues he had in the Vegas game are not issues that will replicate themselves if his injury is recoverable. Um, but I, but yeah, can't speak to the to the injury. Now, Ronnie Stanley had a terrible game as a rookie against Pittsburgh with four holding calls, and 
it was transitional, obviously, because he became a, a, a very good tackle. In fact, the second half of that year, he's probably the best tackle in the entire league uh, after he uh, got past that horrible game against Pittsburgh. Uh, it, it, it's He's had setbacks before is the point. I, I One way or another, he'll be with the Ravens for all of 22. And I'm forgetting if, if he can be reasonably released in 23, even with a half year kind of spread the spread the money deal. Uh, whether that even would make sense, but it's he's he's got a ways yet where he's going to be trying to rehab this thing as a member of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, even twenty twenty three, there's a um, there's a loss in terms of the uh, uh, cap savings if he's cut that year. Twenty twenty two, it's twenty two and twenty two point seven million dollars, folks. So there, he will not be cut in twenty twenty two. I'll tell you that. No matter no matter how bad the injury is, no matter what, he, uh, the Ravens won't accelerate that money in that way. So uh, uh, it's a practical matter whether or not he's even in the facility, able to rehab, whatever it might be. Just he won't be released during this next year. And it's not a great, you know, obviously it's not a great situation having that much of your cap tied up in one player, but um, that isn't going to, that could potentially not play. But if he doesn't play, at least there is a helpful kind of no decision to make here. We're just going to sit on him for another year and see if it, see if it works in the same way they did with um, with Pitta um, a number of years ago. Yeah, and other players like Flacco, where there was no no dollar amount that they could reasonably accept in terms of releasing him, uh, you, you you'd worry about kick the can down the road deals, and I don't think Ronnie Stanley is a player they'll do that with. They were very careful with Marcus Peters not to do it uh, when they had you know questions about the injury, and and frankly, it wasn't just a matter of the injury; it was a matter of what the what the salary number was in 2022, and how that might uh, get in the way of plans that they might have if they if they had planned to cut him. All right, let's let's move on now because we've we've said a lot about Ronnie Stanley and and frankly, you know, it's out of our hands at this point. There's nothing we can do as analysts or, or in reviewing his play that I think would be meaningful at this point. It's all about whether he gets healthy or not. With Alejandro Villanueva, um, the Ravens thought they had a guy who could come in and be a serviceable right tackle. And obviously, I think that they really had their own questions about Ronnie Stanley and could Villanueva be a guy who could play on the left side? That's what he'd done in Pittsburgh. Um, as it turns out, those days seem to have been passed. It's certainly judge before you get a chance to speak here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they, I think the days of him be, so I, I'm probably going to be a little bit controversial to the, and actually I'd, I'd love to, to hear from your charting actually can, um, sure. because one of the things I know is going back at the film and this is maybe a little bit controversial, but what I, I thought he had some, uh, some solid games, what I felt, and I could have got this very wrong, but um, what I felt was that his bad games were abominations. Yes. But his good game, like he had some solid games mixed in there. And I think there's something to be said about his technique and what had happened. But did, did that chime with what you saw in the, in the charting? Yeah, it for sure did. I mean, he had five Fs on the year, and they were low Fs. I mean, I, I really make a distinction between a high F and a drop-off-the-table F. He had four where he completely dropped off the table, and another one where he was quite bad, but and certainly not at the high F level, but also not, not at the low F level. Um, but he had, during, during this season, he had, in week one, he had a, I'm going to give you the raw score, and at tackle it requires a 60 to pass with adjustment so you had a, a 45 raw score and a 0.05 adjustment so that was his not fall off the table f in week three against detroit 0.30 for a raw score just an awful game against i think it was harris mostly in that game and a 0.04 adjustment we move forward in week 13 against pittsburgh he had a 0.41 with a 0.07 adjustment that was high smith high smith gave him a lot of trouble this year but he's pretty good and then a the next week against Cleveland, 0.19 against Miles Garrett, even with a big adjustment, you obviously can't save that game. And against Cincinnati, a 0.24 against Hendrickson, which is also another F. He, he had a, a D against Hend- Hendrickson in the first game where he barely squeaked into the passing with adjustment. So it, it, horrible you know, season in terms of drop off the table games. We can talk a little bit more about pressure events, but, but what, what do you tell us more about what you saw from Villanueva first? Yeah, I think why, what I saw sort of chimes with that, especially with the rushes that he had, that he had trouble with. But what I saw from the, from the film was, I I, I think 
Villanueva's always been a guy who's had to fight his leverage disadvantage. You yes. know, he's a he's incredibly tall, and so he's always had to sort of fight that. And one of the things, that, you know, the ways in which he wins are the the main first way in which he wins is snatch and trap. Like there are times when he can make you look extremely silly as an edge rusher with his snatch and trap, and he will just lie on you, and you're done for the for that right. for that rep. There's also a way in which he wins where he can be patient and have. Let's, a... let's discuss that. What that means. So, snatch Sorry, and trap. Yeah. You, you 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 kind of pull the defensive lineman forward and then allow him to fall. Fall on him with your hands flailing outward, usually to. Yeah, absolutely. Disguise the holding penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an emphatic win when you do that, but it's also an extremely risky move. It's not a move that it has a high margin for error. Like it's it's there's a very low margin for error with that with that move. And if it doesn't work, it it's you know, you're you're gonna get beat yourself as the offensive tackle. So it is a it's it is a high margin for error. Uh, you know, it's a it's a change up move that you would use as an offensive right. tackle. He also has like a patient well-timed two-handed strike that he can do in a in a vertical set which he often he'll be able to kind of talk his elbows and 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 use that to 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 create some leverage but again a two-handed strike is a high risk move it's it's a it's a change-up move it isn't something that you you'd go to all the time and he also has a pretty good power step so he can shut down inside moves quite well unfortunately for me what what we saw this year was that if he goes up against the rusher and he doesn't he doesn't hit some of those moves early in the game he's in a lot of trouble because the rusher if he hits some of those moves early on the game as an edge rusher you start to worry about some of those moves it starts to affect you it starts to affect the plan that you have when you come at him mm-hmm. and he can then start to work off of that so he can start to diagnose your plan and he can start to understand how you're going to try and beat him and so when he, in a few games, when he landed some of those early, when he lands a snatch and trap early, he, he starts to get inside the edge rusher's head and it starts to work for him. And he starts to use his, his experiences in it and his intelligence to win those reps. The problem was in this season is it's just, it, he didn't land those particularly effectively um, early in a lot of games. And there were times when guys just set him up and there was just nothing there in terms of, in terms of leverage. Trey Hendrickson just had a two way go on him all the time. Could just, it came through him so often just because there was, he was standing straight up and just knocked him straight back. I think sorry, go ahead again. No, I just, I want to say one of the, one of the things about Villanueva that's very apparent in his style is he's more of a mirrorer that gives ground and that shows up in a lot of later pressures. So one of the things I always say about differences between PFF and me in terms of how we score offensive line play, PFF and a lot of other systems, by the way, use a two and a half second standard. I use a three second standard. So oftentimes these walk back pressures actually occur between two and a half and three seconds. I've got them for a lot more pressures allowed. And and frankly, for sacks and quarterback hits, I've got them for more of those as well than, than a PFF. That's why you'll see a difference in grading. Where my overall grade on him would be, you know, a low D at the highest, probably low D, high F. He'd be right on the border of a replacement level player, frankly, at left tackle. And they wouldn't have him nearly that bad on PFF because they they see a lot of mirroring. We're bumping back into the quarterback. Now this this said, the difference between Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley was no more apparent than in the play of Alejandro Villanueva here, where. Um, Lamar Jackson keeps his eye downfield very well, even even when bumped from that backside. He trusted Ronnie Stanley there, and frankly, trusted Villanueva probably more than he deserved, and 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 accepted some bumps. And Lamar is very rarely surprised from backside pressure in terms of getting tackled from the backside unexpectedly. He'll take off, and he might he might get tackled from behind for a one or two yard sack, but that's usually he's already initiated the scramble. Very rare that he gets taken down in the pocket, you know, cocking and looking around to throw with the ball where, where it leads to a fumble or something. Uh, it, it, that, that, it's, a, it's a dynamic that makes a marginal player like Villanueva be able to help a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. But when Tyler Huntley came in, who has zero pocket awareness, in fact, his, what I say is his pocket awareness needs to be schemed for him is that they really have to change the, the, the play design to get the ball out quickly so that his pocket awareness does not get in the way of who he is. And, and he's much more likely to be 
either bothered by backside pressure or, or be completely distracted by the bump when it occurs and, and, uh, and loses focus. But uh, it's, it's, it's such a huge difference between the two. And it was one of the reasons why the loss of Jackson was even worse than just the difference between Jackson and Huntley, which didn't seem as severe to people right out of the gate. Yeah, and it's that early, it's that early pressure, and and as you say, the the kind of bumping towards the the bump on the quarterback in that way that was the most, you know, it was it was the most egregious of his of his losses was right. when he, it was the speed to power thing that if he doesn't if he doesn't land some stuff early to to beat the edge rusher, you know, like I said, Hendrickson, Highsmith, others could just run speed to power on him all day and get straight under his pads and knock him knock him backwards. All of all of his moves, like I said, have this have a small margin for error. Even when he uses, you know, if he's using an inside hand, his inside hand comes in on the shoulder pad virtually which in some ways is you know on top of the shoulder pad which sometimes can be okay but you've got such a small margin for error because he's because he's so tall he you know obviously ideally you want that hand down on the on the um on the breastplate or on the outside of the shoulder on the uh, on the arm but actually he's sort of on top of the shoulder often and that can be okay at times but also it's very easy to just slip off the shoulder pad and then you're done you've lost that inside hand so he's just i i think what we saw what you could see in previous years was those margins for error he was able to land lots of stuff and and you know he was able to play the chess match and and win some win plenty of win plenty of reps and, and play reasonably well but it was just it it just fell off a cliff in certain games this year where it was just it was you know you just can't have it if he could string together more games like this more games like the solid games mm-hmm. and he you know continues with what was pretty was adequate run blocking like there were some yeah i think we talked pre-pod that his pulls were sometimes left a little bit to be desired because of how cumbersome he is with how mm-hmm. tall he is but you know he's got he's he actually was a pretty decent drive blocker um was okay as a down blocker you know he's he well, actually he's better than okay as a down blocker so there were some blocks in the run game that where he he works really well in our scheme but <laughs> Even with even if you do all of that, the money that he's that he's owed next year puts him far too high up the tackle bracket to consider bringing him back at that kind of at that kind of cap number. Right. I guess we've talked a little bit about this with other folks on the show about is there a number you'd bring him back at? Let's let's hit on that. I want to say one more thing about his sacks and hits here. But what what would what's the number you could bring Villanueva back for and be okay with it? <sighs> He's because I mean, you're not doing it at six million, is what you're saying, and I agree. Yeah, I, I, and also, he's, I think his cap hit is higher next year as well, isn't it? Doesn't it, doesn't matter because that, no, that no, money's already spent. So yeah, it's the six yeah. million you can you can make the choice on. Yeah, I think I, I would bring him back at three four. Is okay. what is the number I think I would bring him back at three or four. Okay. I, I'd, I'd be a little bit lower than that, two and a half to three. I, I, I don't. I think AV is ready to retire because I think he realizes that there's not a prove it year that will prove anything. <laughs> Honestly, coming up, and and he's the the thing about this year for Villanueva and the overarching thing is that we've never had a player so bad play so long at left tackle in one season for the Ravens or, or at tackle period. I mean, we've had bad left tackles, we've had bad guys, but they always. There's a change made because we just can't live with that anymore. You know, Lewis played a few games at tackle and was quite bad there. Uh, Michael Orr had periods of time where he played tackle, but he wasn't quite as bad as Villanueva this year. Uh, he, he's, he was pretty bad, but he wasn't quite as bad, I don't think, as, as Villanueva this year. Fifteen and a quarter sacks. I want to tell you how hard that number is to give up. And, and I, you know, one of the rules that, that I do is if – if the pocket gets flushed because Villanueva get up a sack and there's not a reasonable chance for the quarterback to get rid of the football, that sack's all on Villanueva. So it, it doesn't matter who ran him down eventually. If if Huntley or Lamar had no chance to get rid of the ball and, and he forced him, it's his sack. So anyway, I, I, I can't remember that ever happening before. O'Neal Cousins, you know, we had some terrible players play left tackle for this team. But we've just never had one play for this long. And, you know, even through the – towards the end of the season, we're saying, boy – you know, of all the injuries, this is incredible, but a replacement level player getting injured at left tackle might be one of the worst injuries the Ravens could still sustain. Yeah, and I, I think he, 
I think there was like a belief, there was maybe a belief that yeah, there were some games, like I said, where he was solid, where he was adequate to solid. Um, and so there was, there was maybe a belief that, you know, those games would eventually start to snowball up towards the end of the year and he'd settle into it and he'd be fine. But it just didn't, you know, there was still clusters of really terrible games later on in the, in the season. You know, he's, He's been a he's been a good offensive tackle over the years, and I think it, it I think it may I think you're right. Maybe he is kind of considering stepping away now because it just felt like he just it felt like it just didn't work for him. And I I don't, I don't know how he could like I think this scheme is more friendly for him in terms of his his abilities as a run blocker. So I'm not sure you know where he goes from here if it if it isn't another contract with the ravens and also the other thing about the ravens is that you know that as much as he's been he's been available um, which has been more than a bit of a problem for the ravens this mm-hmm. year they you know they do have some some options coming back with you know we'll talk about makari who i think is who i think has played well um you know and we there are some options potentially with with that have injury concerns with Stanley and James. I'm sure they will address it over the over the off season as well. So it just feels like it's almost a, a no brainer that he won't be back. Because even if you bring him back on a on a three million dollar deal, you're sort of saying that's that's one of your backup tackles, and it might get into a situation where he's he's at least the 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 fifth best tackle on the team. Um, if Stanley and James come back, fine. You've got Makari. Maybe you've got a draft pick. You know, I'm not sure you pay that kind of money to your fifth best tackle. Yeah, it, and in order to get him to sign something like that, it's gonna there's gonna have to be some guaranteed money involved. So he wouldn't drop his salary, uh, and, and and you know not go to retirement, even go through the trouble of going to camp if it was just to be cut. I don't think he would do that. So uh, uh, anyway, we we would uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Then the guy who had the next most playing time at tackle was McCary, who ended up 722 snaps at tackle for the season, which is remarkable, frankly. That, that but, he, but he got he started with six snaps in that very first game against Las Vegas. I think I've got this right here. I, I didn't somehow combine his guard snaps onto this chart. No, these are tackle snaps, and uh, he certainly had his stretches where he played very well. And in fact, through about seven weeks, he had really kind of saved the Ravens' tackle situation in a lot of ways. After that, um, wasn't particularly good down the stretch. Uh, not, not terrible, certainly not Villanueva bad. He fought like hell, um, probably fought through some injuries, and the Ravens gave him a contract extension here that, that uh, I, I think is, is a fairly reasonable reaction to what's, going, what's happening at the position. Yeah, I felt the contract was pretty reasonable. It was a good, was was a good deal for the Ravens. Really, I, I was with you. I do think he um, was not as good down the stretch, but I also think, like you say, he fought through injuries. There were times when he sh- he really shouldn't have been on the field. I don't think um, there was a. I can't remember the game, but there was a game where he played. They brought Tyree Phillips in, then he came back out again, and then they had to take him out again. So he just he kept trying to play through it, and, and real credit to him for that. Yeah, that might have been the last game of the season against T.J. Watt. Um, he was just crawling off the field, a, a, you know, a couple of times. He was he was down on all fours, you know, basically. It's one of the images I'll take from this from that game. But it was interesting, even in Week 18, fighting through injuries like that, he played 60 snaps and didn't allow a sack to T.J. Watt. The only sack allowed was David Sharp in the game. He came in and allowed that record-tying sack. But McCary was on he was on track to uh, to keep Watt out of the record books. And the thing with McCarry is that, uh, like, I think one of the things for me is he he just takes he takes advantage of what he has really well. You know, he doesn't have a, a huge reach, but what you see with his hand usage is he just he he works really well with with independent hands, even even against sort of long arm moves and against rushes with length. He can get his he can get his inside hand on your on your. Um, outside shoulder and he kind of locks on it's 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 done and he will control you um with that one hand and 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 has his other hand free to 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 bring in so he really maximizes the length he has with the angles he plays the game at um obviously there are times at which the reach disadvantage is going to to overcome him and he's not going to be able to to play that play that situation but as a as a guy who kind of overcomes some of the this the deficiencies he has you, you can't we can't have a bunch of um, left tackle a bunch of offensive tackles all with vines for arms sometimes you're going to have sure. to have a guy who can 
who can be solid, even though he's he's you know he's a little bit deficient in that area. And I think he does do that quite well. Uh, I think he also has really efficient feet, which is the other reason why he why he can survive. I mean, I, I agree with both those comments, and, and he certainly plays better with inadequate length there than anybody else we've seen other than Marshall Yanda at right tackle for the Ravens. Marshall Yanda also short arm, but but played well at right tackle when he was there. But he, he, Yanda is a freak of determination and um, uh, some of the other technical hand placement issues that would allow him to survive under those conditions. Uh, McCary, I kind of believe his talents are being wasted at tackle in a sense. Yes, he had a, he had a, a decent year at tackle, way above expectation. Okay, But he'd be so much better on the inside. And the Ravens have signed him. They're paying him some money. They, they have interior guys, but it looks like Bradley Bozeman might be on his way out. In fact, a lot of people would tell you and me, put, count me in this group, too, that the fact that they signed McCary to this kind of a deal is kind of a signal that they will not sign Bozeman. They don't believe they can do it. And, you know, if that's the case, then McCary's weaknesses at center is, is, is physical inadequacies will be much less apparent and much less of a uh, of a um, deciding factor. You know what I'm talking about, you know, a limiting factor. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my concern with him inside is is his run is his run blocking. And I think it showed up on occasion at tackle this year when he had to face um, a, a bigger five technique in, a, in an odd front. He, he struggled to get movement on down and drive blocks. And so I that is the one thing that i that i would i would be a little concerned about with moving him back inside is that it felt like the the value that he gave the team in their pass protection in his pa- in his pass protection on the outside was was more than it more value more valuable than some of the deficiency that you would have seen from him inside. Um, I think if he wants to stick as a starter long term, he probably. I think you're right. It probably does need to be inside. But I think with the Ravens, you're you're going to have to see him start to move people a bit more in the run game. I think if he's going to stick with the Ravens long term inside, I'm. I, you know, we'll see where the Ravens run game goes in terms of how they emphasize yeah. it and, and what they do. But in, in the power schemes that they run where they're really trying to get two doubles inside and, and, you know, he's always involved with another player. Then those are the kind of situations where I think it would probably not be an issue because he's going to be good at both picking up the back end of that double team, I think at least, and also in moving on to level two and finding a linebacker where that arm differential is not going to be as much. Yeah, and he's and he's good in space. He's good uh, and he's good good uh, on doubles with timing. You know, moving to the second level, his timing's really good. So that's a, that's a really great point. Yeah. Um, it, just in terms of uh, of how he and Villanueva played, absurd differences. He basically had less than half of sacks pressures, all three of pressures, quarterback hits, and sacks as I scored them in about sixty five percent as many snaps. So uh, terrifically different in terms of his pressure allowed percentage. And here's another big one. Patrick McCary only had 10 yards of penalties this game, or at least only 10 yards that I counted against him. He may, you may find another penalty in there that really should have been somebody else because that sometimes occurs. Uh, and the Ravens don't you know, to make the effort to get it fixed. Villanueva, 85 yards of penalties this year. You know, so it, it, that's a big deal. I mean, in terms of, uh, of the difference there. So McCary really helped his, his grading by, by not getting penalized a lot. And, and it's, it's a big deal. You, you really want to have players like that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he's, he's mentally tough and he's physically tough. And I, I think he's a, I think that contract was a great, great, was a really good signing. It was a really, it's really good money for a guy who, you know, I think can definitely be the swing tackle. And I, I think he can also, I think, you know, as you've mentioned, he could easily, he could also play inside. We could see him, him develop into an, into an interior starter as well. So it feels like that was, that was really good money to get a guy like that. Under All contract. right, let's, let's keep moving. Uh, we, uh, we, I'm sure we both agree that McCary would, can help the Ravens somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced he can play left tackle, but let's, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't oh. want to go further. Yeah, and I'm not convinced he can play left tackle over a long stretch. Like, yeah, yeah I'm get not, you through yeah. a game, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Tyree Phillips, uh, really disappointing year for him. And, and it started in the opener when they when they started him at guard. And I know Harbaugh has a tendency always to make rookies earn it and leave them lower on the depth chart and make them really outplay that veteran in practice. And there are other practical reasons for that. They need to find out who Tyree Phillips is before it's too late, you know, before they lose him. And, and you know, ideally you'd find out by the middle or end of his third season so you can re-sign that guy early if you want to, not just at the end of his fourth season, then yet you can make a decision uh, between you know, comp pick and, and re-signing a, a player, which they've done now with Bozeman Elliott and um, uh, not McCary, but Bozeman Elliott and who's the third Averitt, um this year. So those are, those are players that they're probably going to have to wave goodbye to because of, because of not really knowing in time uh, in the case of, of, um, uh, uh, who are we talking about now? Yes, I did. In the case of Tyree Phillips, uh, got injured in that very first game, which not only left the Ravens shorthanded elsewhere on the line, but it left them shorthanded at tackle. And Phillips was a guy I think they projected to be their their backup tackle from the beginning of the year. Yeah, I've been frustrated with the usage of Tyree Phillips. You know, there was a lot of video before the season of him working on his working on his footwork as a guard. um, And it looked like they'd sort of committed to him, committed him to being a guard going forward. And he sort of committed to that. And then the the draft happened and free agency happened and they ended up with only drafting another guard. And it kind of, was okay. Terry Phillips is going to have to play tackle. There was even a chance, I think, that he probably would have continued to stay at guard if they hadn't had the kind of injuries they had at, at tackle. So, and I, I think he is a guard. You know, he he. The, the thing, the thing that I that I think is that you know we still saw this year some of the things he's good at at the point of attack. He gets a ton of movement. The guy is a mauler. But, you know, I've just talked about Makari and about how efficient his feet are in his pass protection. Terry Phillips is just just or not. You know, if he's going to get to his set point against a a nine a wide nine technique, he's he's going to cross his feet and it's going to look incredibly ugly when he yep. gets to, for him getting to his set point, and it's going to cause him trouble when he gets to to build his house there at the set point. And I just he 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 gives up his chest so much for a guy who doesn't you know if he could write that technical deficiency a little bit he's got so much functional strength that it doesn't it, it, it would be a he, he he'd have a great anchor but he outside a tackle he's just it just isn't there and it's it's he does have a lot of upper body strength it's, it's the, the functional strength is where i would maybe make the difference because he's not he's not a Sorry, aggressor yeah. as a pass blocker the way he should be yeah. you know when you when you're that big and your arms are over 35 inches he's i mean he's he, this guy was born to play tackle in some ways and i think he could probably play it the way that orlando brown did not at orlando brown's level but as a more down blocking mauler in a pistol scheme where the reads are headed right and lamar is the outside threat where the guy has to just be the the edge rusher on that side needs to always be concerned about Lamar, the the runner. Uh, I don't know that the Ravens will ever get back to that offense, by the way. They seem perfectly happy with sidecar and then Lamar then be the middle threat and have the running back be the edge threat. Uh, it, it, Phillips, it, in my mind, that would be the way he would play tackle. From what we've seen, you know, honestly, David Sharp has some of these characteristics too, and, and he's more extreme in it, that, that he's more of a patty cake player. I mean, a completely non-aggressor in terms of his arms. He's got great arm length too. You know, another guy who should be punching the hell out of these these offensive linemen, finding some way to disrupt their pass rush plan early in the process. And he, and he just doesn't take advantage of that. He's, he's up there like this, you know, showing him 10 fingers uh, right off the snap. It's just uh, – it's uh, it's silliness. So anyway, with Phillips, I, I want to go through the grading really quickly here, if that's all right. He had um, uh, in, his games were D, B plus D, F, D, D at tackle. Um, probably an overall year of a D, but you have that many Ds. Usually your cumulative effect might take you down to an F. And if you think PFF scoring, you know, a lot of individual negative scores under their old method will add up to a pretty significant negative score. Um, so it wasn't a good year, but he did outplay Villanueva by about 0.07 per play for the year, which gives you an idea of relative value. We have, we have you know, Phillips and, and Villanueva, both basically both replacement level tackles. Um, and that's, frankly how the Ravens had to use them this year yeah and he you know yeah I I completely agree 
All right. Um, let's see. We haven't talked about David Sharp. Now, David Sharp, a strange case where he played really well in that game against Green Bay. And I know you watched that because we talked offensive line in that game. Yeah, we and did. It was, it was nice to see him because he allowed a pressure on his very first play. And then after that, I had him scored as as basically perfect. He had he had well, he had the place where he did some things I'm not crazy about, but he still ended up making the block. But I, I'm that kind of game uh, is is it's not usual to see that and have the guy just fall off the table. But against Pittsburgh, then he plays ten snaps against T.J. Watt and looks as bad as anyone can over the course of ten snaps. Yeah, I feel like he got. I, I don't know whether. I don't know what happened to Rashawn Gary in that game, but that he just didn't seem to be the same guy that he was throughout the season. And um, yeah, because David Sharp did struggle with with TJ Watt. I think he's, um, like you said, with his patty cake hands, his placement with his hands is pretty inconsistent as well. Um, but I, I did I did feel like he, you know, I, I did feel like he had reasonably efficient footwork uh you know when he was challenged with with some more power his his base tended to get a bit wider and he would waistband a little bit and he didn't and gary just didn't really take advantage of it but he he doesn't really move people in the run game as well i I think Mm -hmm. you're right about the kind of aggression competitiveness it just it isn't quite there in the in the run game either um he's he i think he's pretty good in space uh, but again, that's that's not the best fit with with the Ravens scheme. Don't have nearly I, enough information to make that judgment personally. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, obviously, and, and this is the thing: is very limited snap count for David Sharp. That's what you mean. So it's kind of me me uh, extrapolating from a very small sample. But I went back and watched a few of his other snaps as well for other teams because he's a bit of a, a journeyman. Um, I think he, you know, maybe he, I, I don't know what's gone on with him in terms of transact roster transactions. Is he still on the roster? Um, I don't know if he's been signed to a futures deal yet. Everybody's still on the roster, right? Until, until oh, course, yeah, yeah. release day. So I'm not sure. I, they're, as soon as the Ravens season ended, they started on signing some people to futures deal. And that included uh, Kayvon Seymour just a, a, a day or two ago. So it was kind of a, one of the surprising ones, but a lot of their, their practice squad guys, they, they want to keep on it. It doesn't mean they're going to make the roster. It's just an indication that they want to have them for camp and have them for depth purposes at that point. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know whether he, whether he signed one of those, but uh, yeah, I, I would keep him around um, for definite for camp at least. Uh, if he wants to, that is. At one point, the Ravens had, I think, six guys on their practice squad, and there's nothing that needs to be said about Andre Smith. I was pissed that he made the roster initially, um, and then he really didn't it didn't show me anything in terms of really wanting to play football I, I, during during the time he was on the field, which was limited, only one game. Uh, you know, they had they had other guys who who rotated through. We don't have to go through all of them, but the other big name in terms of the Ravens' future is Juwan James. Yeah, and Juwan James is is a uh, is a really interesting guy. The 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 really interesting thing, not really interesting. The the weird quirky thing about him is that his injury record obviously is not great. Um, that's why he's he's been out um, over the past year. But he alternates full seasons with injured seasons. So um, he's due. He is due a full season next next season. So maybe we're maybe we'll get him on that. Um, the thing, the other thing about that with with the injury with injury history with Juwan James is there may come a point when he maybe he's got injury problems and that's going to be it now for the rest of his career. But he he broke the starting record at Tennessee. I remember doing a bit of research on, on him when he signed. He started forty nine games at the University of Tennessee. So he's he's got some. He's been durable in his time. Um, so it, it all hinges really on the injury. Uh, you know, I think they brought him back off the off the. I think they brought him back off IR for for a th- for two three weeks during the season, and then um, to practice um, to the sort of sorry designated him as eligible to return, so he could practice for three weeks and then put him back on IR mm-hmm. or kept him on IR. So I think they they obviously got a look at him in practice in those few weeks, and he and he wasn't wasn't right, which isn't a surprise. Um, yeah, it's not a good thing either. I mean, he hasn't played in two years. Three years ago, he played 63 snaps with Denver in 2019. So you have to go back to 2018. In 2014 through 18, he, it's not like he played full seasons, but like you mentioned, he was on, off, on, off kind of thing. Uh, so he did play pretty much three full seasons during that period and, and was pretty good. Uh, so, you know, as a guy hopefully, you know, hopefully still has a little something left in the tank at, at what will now be 30 years old in June. 
not the end of the road, but still pretty old. No, and, and the, 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 the big sort of concern with him for me is that um, when you go back and watch his tape, and I, I watched his tape back when the Ravens signed him, and if you go back and watch, I think I watched something from 2016, which obviously is now a long time ago. Um, I think it was against Arizona with Chandler Jones and and, Cal- and Pete Calais Campbell, actually, at the time as well. And he, he was a really fluid mover, and it kind of accounted for some of the deficiencies he has in his hand placement. Um, so... Like if he, if it's the fluid movement that makes his game good, does he does he still have that after this much time out? We'll have to wait and see. It, I mean, I ex- I would expect the unexpected from John James relative to tape from six years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's he that was probably his one of his better seasons anyway. At least it was the second most snaps he played that year. So, uh, uh, oh, I I hope he's a serviceable tackle and I don't expect him to be the player he was in 2016, 17, 18, whenever he, you know, the Ravens have mapped it to Uh, it's, it's wasn't a big risky move and they gave him some money for last year, apparently when no one else would and signed him to a relatively cheap contract for this year. But I I think they can get out of the entire thing. I don't believe he has any guaranteed money coming up. I'd have to look that up, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's a lottery ticket. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, it doesn't. And it just shows the need. If, if Stanley and James, if you're counting on James, you are a um, James is the last refuge of a scoundrel on on this offensive line in terms of, of hope. Uh, it's just, boy, you're you're. It's like hoping for a call from the governor or something. If you get it, great. If it, but it's probably not coming. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like I said, I, you know, you know, if if a guy was a fluid lateral mover and he's missed, and that was the reason, one of the reasons why he was a good player and he's missed three seasons now, then then um, then you maybe are a little bit worried. But you're right. I think it's a lottery ticket, and and you know, it, you it's like I think the upside is there. Like it's probably a little bit better than a lottery ticket. Like I don't mm-hmm. think it's. Um, you know, that he he could play well. He I think he I think he will fit. He will suit the the Ravens scheme as well. So it's just it's uh, if he gets there, he gets there. I, I just in in terms of relative lottery tickets, let's talk about this though. Yeah. Alejandro Villanueva had been a Pro Bowl left tackle and had played better than James did at his peak when he was good. And and now you know we know how bad he was put at his old position under as good circumstances as you can have with Lamar Jackson able to, to run out of your bumpy mirrored pressure. I just, I, I don't know how we could expect the James situation to be better given that the fit is not necessarily as perfect. I know less about it admittedly, but, but given that the fit is, is, uh, is, is not as ideal. And, and, and all frankly that he was less, a less great player at his peak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 you can't be counting on him. You can't go into the off season thinking, "Oh, Jawan." J-. If anybody's out there thinking going into the off season, Jawan James is going to be one of our tackles yeah. next season. It's just not not like, that is that is an irresponsible way to plan plan yeah. for the season. Well, listen, we've we've already let the show run long, but I really want to talk about this next up, which is what do the Ravens do for 2022? Because obviously, they've got a lot of guys who aren't perfect fits for what's going on. Stanley, we don't know. James, we don't know. Uh, Stanley, we don't know, and, and we hope, and, and, and it might be reasonable. It, James, we, we don't know, and we're probably unreasonable to hope. Uh, McCary, you know, played like played his heart out at, at right tackle. Has physical limitations. I'm concerned about. I would definitely not anoint him a swing tackle based on what he did at right tackle. Um, I, I would be concerned about him playing again at right tackle, but it may be the best option. I, what I really want is for him to to find another position he can play that he has to move out of to save the Ravens at tackle if required, and hopefully it won't be. Uh, but I'd love for him to you know be the be the Ravens starting center, and then they and then they have other you know the, the other players they can go to. They can go to the draft. They can go to free agency, and they can hope somebody from their practice squad is up to more than they were in two thousand twenty one. Any of those seem reasonable? Yeah, I, I think first of all, let, let me um, let me just because uh, let me be clear about what I think about Makari, which is that I, I, when I say swing tackle, I, I don't think he can play left tackle for an entire season. I think he can play left tackle in a pinch. I I personally like him more at right tackle than I like him inside, um, and so I think he can play there over a longer stretch. So he's a swing tackle, but he's a swing tackle with an asterisk, probably if, if is is what I'm saying. I think. 
I think um, I think the Ravens have to address the position with with premium draft capital or with some money in free agency. I just I, and and it's an extremely difficult position to address in free agency. So it just feels like this is careering towards uh, some kind of premium draft capital in in the position. I just can't see any other way in which you can go into next season without that. I, I, th- there doesn't seem to be another solution. I, I, I think relying on some of these potential, as we talked about, lottery tickets, <laughs> relative lottery tickets, is just is a mistake. And yeah, Makari could play. Makari could play right tackle for you for the season, um, and you. I think you'd get you'd get you know uh, an adequate to solid level of performance out of the guy, but. That's it. That's all the Ravens have in terms of guarantee on the roster offensive tackle. So it just feels like it has to be a premium selection. And and the the challenge with that is that this draft has, at the moment, looks like it has three. I'm very early in evaluations, but it looks like it has three, three very good offensive tackles at the top end who all will be gone within the top ten. Um, just because premium offensive tackles like go that just end. go. That <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's understood. We can we can hope maybe that somebody does the Laramie Tunsil treatment to one of the players in the top ten, and he falls to the Ravens at fourteen. But uh, you know, you never know. Uh, if uh, yeah, it, I, the thing that I think the thing that would make me happy, I, I'm not demanding that the number one pick be spent on a tackle, but I think it has to be the one or the two. I don't think it could be anything else, and the two. I, I hope the Ravens get a guy who meets their own standards for playing left tackle. He's got to have the feet and he's got to have some length. You can't, you can't be a, you can't be taking a chance on a guy. Well, we really like these guys feet. So we'll deal with the 32 and a half inch arms. You know, they have so many guys in the last draft. Liam Eikenberg comes to mind as a guy who he was not built to play tackle in the NFL. It, it didn't really make any sense. I liked him in terms of, of what his feet were. I had kept him 10th on my tackle list, but the guy was made to play guard, and that's where he's going to end up in the NFL. He just had a disastrous first year with Miami um, in, in terms of his play. Uh, the Ravens don't want a guy like that. They want a guy who has the qualities. If if you want a guy, get a guy who's a little raw at the position, but otherwise has the tools, Clutchio Semele like would be a guy from Ravens draft history who would be ideal, fine. But they need one guy, in my mind, in the first two picks and then another developmental player later on, somebody they really think might be a guy. You know, if it could be, it might, he might end up being Gregory Sonat and not really help the Ravens, or he might end up being Rick Wagner and really be a guy that, that, that is useful to the Ravens in, in a longer term. Yeah, a, a good example from last year, I think, why the second round can maybe work is um, Spencer Brown. Mm-hmm. Um you know the, that kind of guy who's yeah upside. Was he third? I think he was. I, th- third I think he, I think he picked right before the Ravens. In fact, the North, yeah. Northern Iowa guy. Yeah, Spencer Brown. Yeah, but I think you could you could you know you get someone like him in the second round that's got that maybe got that that has the potential. I think you're right. They have to look for a guy. They have to look for an out and out offensive tackle. And uh, you know, the, like I said, I think it'll uh, it, it'll either be a reach in the first round or it'll be a slightly more developmental guy in the second round if they do it. The Ravens in the last couple of years have have, have shown a propensity to to draft a little bit more for need in the first round than they have in in previous years. The, Eric DaCosta has gone up, sort of. It's been a little bit easier to predict what they're going to do in 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 the first round the last few years because he hasn't always gone well. Maybe he has gone best player available, but they've they've attacked needs a bit harder in the last few years. So. If, if you, when you have so many needs like the Ravens have had, it's easier to draft for need in that first round. So I mean, yeah, they've they've had needs in the past where they've addressed it with quarterback and things like that. But um, but yeah, they've they've uh, they've they've done more of that in recent years. I thought a a player who was maybe not a need pick was also one of the worst picks of recent time was was picking James Hurst. Uh, now they got a little something back for James Hurst. It was good. Was James Hurst a terrible player? No, he wasn't. But he just he wasn't a need pick either. And you know, obviously they gave up on you know who, whose name I've I promised myself for two consecutive shows I'm not going to mention at, uh, at number sixteen uh, to to uh, to end up getting him. They stockpiled some draft capital. They did some things that were useful. But I'm just going to say that that the last pick that they had that that seemed like a BPA pick to a lot of people was Marlon Humphrey. And that was a, why do we need a cornerback? Why, why on earth would we need a cornerback? Was, you know, what is, what is he crazy? <laughs> so anyway, they got the, the I, I generally like BPA drafts, but more, more importantly, I think 
if you can get to your team to a point where it's not obvious what you're going to take in the first round, then you, you're not likely to be dragged through the mud in terms of any kind of value on trade and lose there uh, something extra in terms of draft capital by being there. I, I also do think – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, Ken, the other thing I, I want is a bully. I, I want someone with some nasty in them because I think it's been missing a little bit and I, I don't want – yeah, I, I want I want someone who can play bully ball and will drive some guys into the turf sometimes. Okay, at tackle, that's important. At tackle, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, I, I love having it at, with Cleveland and I think you know you can make the point that maybe he hasn't been the bully they'd hoped. I think he's still getting to learn the position technically a little bit at the NFL level. But what I saw out of him in that Pittsburgh game, and we talked about him after the Green Bay game when, when you had some nasty things to say, but that was about the greatest portent game I've ever seen in terms of a guy looking the part and looking really like he's having fun playing guard in the NFL. I don't know if you saw some of it, but if you, got, if you still got your video from that game, and not the, not the all 22, but if you got the, the game video, go back to the 22 and 27-yard runs that are consecutive by Murray that started the drive that ended with the interception that lost them the game. And after the second run, you, there's, a, there's a shot of, of the offensive lineman going back to the huddle, and they are loving life. But Cleveland, among all of them, is is clearly feeling it that game, and he had a great game. I mean, it really, really scored very well. But uh, uh, but I love seeing that. And I, you know, with losing Tyus Bowser in that final game, that was the one kind of thing that I'll take from it. Is hey, that that was a positive for for twenty two. Yeah, and he's a, he's like you've said, he's a young guy, and you know, I think he's you know he's still learning the technical aspects, and I think he could be even more of a finisher when he starts to yeah. learn more of the technical aspects of playing the game, and that that's that's the frustration for me. I want to just see more of him, but I, I you know, he's 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 young, and and we've got a, we've got a long way to go with him still. So we're we're talking tackle, but is there any reason not to have power? Sorry, is there any reason not to have Cleveland be the presumptive starting guard coming out in twenty two? I don't think so. I think you give him. I think you give him the chance. I, I, you know, there's there's no way that you would you would look at other. You, you know, they're not going to look at a guard early on in in the draft. I don't believe. Um, I, I, you're not going to sink any more free agency money into it when you've got Kevin Zeitler on a on a big contract. So, to me, the only way is if Tyree Phillips maybe beats him out. But I, at the moment, I can't see that. I think it'll be. I think it'll be Cleveland. That'll be the starting left guard. Yeah. Okay, it would be my bet, too. I, Powers did not play badly this year. I thought he was really okay. But uh, uh, but I think he, the other thing, weird, but he has an escalator. I'm sure the Ravens will reduce his salary and then just not be too concerned if he gets cut. But he's, he, he probably will not play as a Raven if the if Powers says no to, uh, to a reduction in salary from the escalation he earned. Yeah, I would agree. I saw that recently, and it just it sort of a, a little bit alarming. I, I I wonder if the NFLPA might want to look at that in the next negotiations because I think there's going to be a few guys that get caught because they've hit that accelerator and don't accept any pay cuts. Well, and and you know, it's it's his choice. There's, there's nothing about the the, the 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 NFLPA is probably happy with it. The owners might want to change it, and but I don't think that it's the hill they die on in terms of negotiations. I don't think it's that important to them either. So. No, but it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see over the, you know, there's there's a number of Ravens that, are, that have hit that accelerator mm-hmm. that you now look at and think, actually, that playtime wasn't what, you know, the, the, they had the playtime, but it wasn't worthy right. of the kind of increase that they're going to get. And so there, there might be a trend across the league of some of those guys who, who get caught and then you're yeah. obviously you've earned the money, but you then don't get the ability to continue to try and develop and to, to impress a team and that that might be something that's, that they look at but yeah it, it could be they, the rfa tenders which are kind of a similar thing because the fourth year draft picks are getting this escalated the fourth year other players that are udfas are getting an rfa tender uh and and th- those are non-guaranteed so what will often happen is they'll 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 tender a player um, and they'll they'll keep them through camp, and then they'll just go to you know all the players of the same type, and usually say, "Hey, look, guys, we need you to sign for one point four million, but that's all we're willing to do, not two and a half. Um, if if you're uh, if you're not willing to do it, then best of luck to you, kind of thing." Yeah. I imagine though, as, as many escalators as the Ravens have had that have been not that good, which is not many. Imagine how many other teams have, because they have to play lousy players at a lot of these positions where the Ravens are usually pretty good about yeah. they, you know, getting good players. Anyway, <laughs> right. James, 
love talking football with you. And we've gone almost an hour here on a topic where we said, you know, we need to keep this between 30 and 45 <laughs> minutes. But, uh, but it's an interesting topic and it spills over into a lot of other, you know, decisions on resources the Ravens have to make about draft and free agency and whatnot. Uh, tell folks once again where they can talk football with you. Yeah, you can find me uh, on social media at NFL Ogden on Twitter. Uh, I write on my own site, Red Star Baltimore, Russell Street Report. You can hear me on the UK Ravens podcast and plenty of other places too. All right, James, one of my favorite people to talk football with. Uh, other folks out there, if you uh, would like to come on the show this offseason, lots of opportunity for you. Uh, we'll have all kinds of draft content. Love to have some people who want to talk about that. But we're doing the next series we're doing is called Fixing the Ravens. So we want people to come with a particular method to fix what's wrong at the Ravens. So if you say, if you want to fire Greg Roman, I'll consider that. But I do want to consider like what your idea is for how firing Greg Roman is going to fix the Ravens and who they should go out and get as their coordinator and how you would change the offense with that. What I'm basically telling you with that is that's a very broad topic. Try and make it something narrower. How would you address a particular free agent? What can they bring to the Ravens? That sort of thing. Anyway, fixing the Ravens. Hit me up on Twitter. DMs are open. Uh, really, I would love to hear from you and talk football with you, you as well. James, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.